You're listening to the Hindu Business Line's Field Notes podcast with T.R. Vivek. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Field Notes, the Hindu Business Line's weekly podcast on all things agribusiness. I'm your host, T.R. Vivek. The dairy industry uh, is often held up as a great Indian agri success story. India is home to nearly 540 million heads of livestock animals, including cows, buffaloes, goats, and camel. That's nearly 11% of the cattle population of the world housed in roughly 2.4% of the world's land mass. India is the world's largest milk producer with an annual production of about 190 million tons. But here's where the good news kind of comes to an end. India's milk productivity is about 50% less than global averages. Indian cattle produce uh, only an average of uh, 1,000 kilos of milk per lactation cycle compared to 7,000 kilos in Europe and a staggering 10,000 kilos in tiny arid Israel. Uh, In the dairy industry, what you feed the animal is what determines the quality and quantity of milk. Feedstock accounts for nearly 70% of the cost of milk production. And India has an acute feedstock crisis. The land available for fodder production has remained stagnant at around 5% of the arable land for decades. The cattle population and demand for milk keeps burgeoning. According to an Indian Council for Agricultural Research uh, estimate in 2019, there is about a 12% gap between the demand for green fodder and its availability. Lack of fodder means India's dairy farmers are operating at only 50% of their potential. A new and young Bangalore-based startup called Hydrogreens, founded by the 38-year-old civil engineering graduate Vasant Madhav Kamath, is trying to address this crisis with a unique model that he calls fodder as a service for farmers who cannot afford to grow it themselves. Hydrogreens grows the green fodder in a low-cost, microclimate-controlled vertical farming system that can ensure the year-round availability of fresh, pesticide-free, high-protein green fodder and can operate, he claims, uh, in conditions uh, where temperatures range from 40 to 50 degrees Celsius with just half a bucket of water. Welcome, Vasans, to Field Notes. Thank you. Thank you, Vivek. Honored uh, to be here. Thank you very much for joining us today. Vasat, tell us how you stumbled upon this problem of fodder crisis and how real or big is the fodder crisis in India's dairy industry? I think, uh, you know, this was when I was doing my previous project uh, with the retailer who was trying to grow cotton in vertical farming methods. The cotton has the same uh, or sort of bad record for water footprint. A kg of cotton could take anywhere between six to 10,000 liters of water, and it's a seven-month crop. We're the second largest exporter of uh, cotton, and so we are actually sending virtual water to other countries and uh, having to have uh, double the food production in the background of depleting groundwaters, right? So the challenge was to see if we could grow that seven-month crop with 500 liters of water throughout that seven-month period. Uh, using hydroponics and you know nutrient film techniques and w- whatnot, um, we were successful after two or three years of uh, tremendous struggle um, in in terms of figuring out the entire equation. It was pretty complex, um, but while doing that project, um, one of the ladies there came and uh, asked, "Hey, uh, I wanted this at my field," and we sort of poo pooed her at that time. 
but then later on, we realized that she was really trying to solve a problem for herself, um, which was shortage of fodder. And that was the first time I really stumbled upon this, and uh, I started. But she research. she looked at she looked at uh, uh, the plants stacked in your sort of trays, the vertical trays yes. that you were trying to grow. Yes, she was a casual labor at the at the warehouse. It was a very massive warehouse in an industrial area, um, in in Mysore, and uh, uh, you know she she was looked at that. She was all inspired with you know what was going on. A lot of pink lights and you know, huge racks and some, some cotton plants had grown really tall. Uh, so, so when we went to the farm, we saw that she had done some scaffolding and she was trying to grow fodder in it. And that was very surprising because she copied the thought, idea from you. I mean, uh, having looked at what you were trying to do and she tried to replicate that at her farm. Yes, kind of. I mean, with, you know, just scaffolding, you know, somebody can do a small scaffolding and try to grow in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, the idea was that she was trying to solve it. She was so entrepreneurial. Uh, she was doing multiple jobs uh, at, the, at the same time. Um, and she wanted to solve this problem for herself. Uh, what was surprising is this was happening in Mysore, which had a lot of paddy belts in that region, Kaveri flows. There's a lot of ample water available. It was hard to imagine that there was such a massive water shortage there. Um, so that's when I started digging around and finding out what's really the problem. And I was shocked to see that uh, year after year, the governments have been giving notifications to state governments to take measures on, you know, uh, setting up uh, fodder security programs or whatnot. In some districts, moving fodder is banned. Um, mm -hmm. So the level of challenge is very high. Uh, across India, and that's when I discovered this problem. How acute is the problem? You you described about uh, uh, you know even the bans on moving fodder from one district to another. Uh, how does it hamper the dairy industry? What kind of challenges does lack of fodder present, and why is there a lack of fodder? Right. Uh, see, there is three types of uh, fodder or feed inputs that are fed, mainly three types. Um, one is the dry, uh, dry fodder. Uh, second is the green fodder. And, you know, the dry fodder would be, would, be, would be the straws that, you know. Uh, wheat straw, paddy straw. Green straw, straw yeah. But the principal ingredient is the green fodder, which is, so if let's say the cows uh, or the buffalo's body weight is 400 kgs, you approximately feed 10%. So 40 kgs is the total feed input that you have to feed every day. Uh, of that 20 to 25 kgs is green fodder, followed by about six to seven of dry fodder, and then rest of it, feed concentrate and mineral mixtures in whatever specific- uh, Like oil, uh, oil, oil cakes. Correct, correct. Cotton seed oil cake, uh, you know, groundnut, uh, coconut, there are multiple amazing uh, industrial residues available. Um, so the fodder shortage is happening because of multiple reasons. One of the foremost is uh, climate change, where you have more dry periods now, uh, or longer dry periods. And even in the rainy season, you get a lot of rain within a short span of time. So you have extreme events that are occurring more repeatedly. That's one. There is depleting groundwater. If you've heard of bore wells in uh, Maharashtra, uh, they're all going 1,200, 1,900 and more. Uh, even in parts of Karnataka as well. So borewells are not getting replenished well. Uh, and there are more and more borewells coming in, which is not helping either. 
so depleting then there is fragmentation of land holding right uh, you know average land holding is just about two hectares right now and it's shrinking further and further uh, and there are many other factors also like desertification over overuse of chemicals on ground etc uh, etc et right but now in terms of the acuteness if you look at india south india is uh, mostly rain fed uh, thankfully there are no extreme climate events uh, like that in say in delhi like you have uh, or delhi or rajasthan you have extreme summer you have extreme winter right uh, here it is partly because we are protected by the sea on both sides and so you don't have that uh, uh, extreme climate vagaries um, and the fodder shortage tends to be for around five months. The acute fodder shortage tends to be around for five months. Uh, that goes from, say, January till about May, right? And after that, if it is there, it is due to uh, either a labor problem, a shortage of machinery, or, you know, the land is very far off, so on and so forth. But in the northwest central India and some parts of northeast also, the shortages for much longer period, like seven months, eight months. And uh, it is very surprising that uh, uh, despite this, uh, the dairy industry has been, you know, being very resilient and trying to fight this. But what you said at the beginning that the productivity levels are very low is as a result of poor feed management practices, right? That's, that's the impact there. What were the traditional sources of of green fodder uh, in an earlier era and uh, what are you as a company you know what are you trying to do you know uh, i i hear the word uh, uh, feed as a feed as a service you know is it, is it bangalore fodder, tech, fodder fodder as a service is it bangalore tiktok gone rogue or you know what is the service no so uh, okay i'll answer the question uh, first question uh, see, typically earlier they used to have uh, what is called in Canada as gomalas, or uh, there are places where which are dedicated for grazing of animals. In Rajasthan, even today, uh, for the pastoralists that go from one place to another, there's dedicated land uh, that becomes fruitful during the very limited monsoon season there. Uh, now all of that is gone. Okay, uh, that's one. Second large areas are going for cash crops or you know commercial crops the residue of which is not so green like if you take maize for example uh, maize is produced uh, in Bagalkot and bihar uh, you know uh, to a great extent and uh, by the time you harvest the maize the plant would have completely dried and uh, it's not at all green okay so the it's still okay it's still consumable but the nutrition nutritional profile is entirely different Right. Uh, there are there are laid down guidelines as to what should be a balanced mixed balance ration for the cattle to perform at its full genetic potential, and that is not available. So we we said, hey, this problem is huge. It is affecting 70 million plus dairy farmers, um, and you know the frequency is also very high. So could we look at what kind of technologies uh, can help solve this? Because we know that there will be a revenue impact on this. They were losing about 15 to 25% of uh, dairy income. Um, and if we were to give a good sustainable intervention, then there would be uh, some impact. So we looked at, uh, we've, we've, you know, we're actually looking at a host of solutions, but we started with uh, hydroponics and phogponics to begin with. And we gave small sachet like instruments where farmers could grow for themselves 
and uh, uh, create high protein fodder right next to them, right? Over the period of time, we realized that uh, there are challenges in accessing the seeds required for you know, uh, inputting into the system because the seeds are not available in the same quality throughout the year, right? So an individual farmers having control of that supply chain is a little difficult. So we felt, and you know, especially during the second wave, we were thinking that uh, you know, whatever we do, uh, the price point of the systems are sometimes not accessible to the farmers. What can we do so that it is more accessible, right? That's when we came up with a model or idea called as the fodder station. The right. fodder station is where we actually grow the fodder and sell it directly to the farmers. And that's what we call as fodder as service. Um, and this is co-located to a milk collection center. So farmer, for farmers, it is very easy for them to come and pick it up in the morning and evening, um, every day. We, were, uh, we tested and tried it and Chaturdurga got some very good results and uh, we are scaling it up in Rajasthan and in a couple of other parts of Northeast and uh, you know, throughout India. We, we, we probably would even fr uh, be franchising this to self-help groups or cooperatives uh, because we can't really have, I mean, we don't have the balance to scale up in every region. So that's the fodder as service. And it, prevent, it provides a wonderful opportunity for locals to participate in that. Mm -hmm. uh, so just uh, help our uh, listeners and viewers visualize what you're talking about. So you grow uh, this fodder in vertical farms, say uh, these you know, plastic trays of you know, the size of one foot by one foot stacked one upon the other. Uh, in in greenhouse-like conditions? Correct. So, uh, mind you that the backdrop of our performance is during summer. So, right. we had to operate in extreme climatic uh, uh, background. So, we had to think about, hey, can we do this even at 45 to 50 degrees? Later, we discovered we had to even work at zero degrees um, in, in Rajasthan and also in Northeast. Uh, so thankfully, with the tech, with some some tweaking of technologies, we have been able to grow it throughout the year in Rajasthan, um, and now we are doing that in Meghalaya as well, where the climate is entirely different. Mm -hmm. uh, see, the there have been a lot of iterations in the technology. I'll not go into the details, but basically, what happens is you take a seed, you sprout it, and you transfer it directly onto a tray. There is no medium, zero medium, meaning there's the, no the, soil. There is no soil um, and you know the seeds are directly put after they are sprouted and within seven days they grow to about 1.2 feet high uh, which is much faster I think about uh, seven days faster than it were to grow the same height on the ground and with uh, almost 99% less water right mm -hmm. on our system it would take about three to five liters for a kg of fodder to grow and probably on the ground, it would be about 100, 130 liters of uh, water. So there's a quantum amount of savings of water. Um, and you're basically bringing out all the goodness of the seed, uh, which is, and, and all the nutrients that are uh, ready for digesting. So what we call that as TDN or, uh, uh, you know, the digestible nutrients that are readily available for the cattle. And so the crude protein is also much better than the fodder that is grown on the ground. So as a result of that, you know, the cattle would give you anywhere between one to three liters more milk 
um, and you also have an opportunity to reduce on feed concentrate, right? So in the systems now, uh, there are sprinklers, there are micro sprinklers that spray water for just about few seconds every hour. And this is over a period of time, we will deploy certain algorithms to make it even more precise. Uh, but depending on the temperature, we decide what is, how much should you spray? What is the frequency of spraying such that there is no water at all at the root zone? Everything is absorbed by the plants. Mm -hmm. uh, Vasan, give us a sense of um, the, uh, the fodder economics. How expensive is it? How much does it cost uh, a farmer uh, on a daily or weekly basis uh, in terms of uh, green fodder? And uh, uh, with uh, fodder as a service uh, uh, from your company, how much is the amount they save uh, or how expensive is it? Because, you know, you may be using modern methods. I don't know, you know, how, how, how uh, expensive the, the cost of production at your end might be. Mm -hmm. um, see, there are three, three main uh, items here. One, earlier, if you were to buy green fodder from the ground, uh, from a neighboring ground, it used to cost you around two rupees, you know, one and a half to two rupees. Depends, that depends on region by region. There's no hard and fast data or study on that, but this is what we have found from, from our field studies. Um, and in our system, in the Cumberly system, if you were to grow it yourself, the cost of production for yourself is roughly about two and a half rupees, right? So it's comparable, so to say, uh, with what you would uh, get from the ground slightly expensive uh, on the system now all of this depends upon what is the seed price Maize but is that is that is that cost taking into account the savings on water no i mean we're not taking that cost i mean because, water because is very negative as you described you know there is a quantum uh, uh, sort of decrease in the water requirement yeah in your system yeah, so we've not taken that and not taken the uh, energy required uh, by the motor, you know, if you have a 5 HP motor that is running on your farm and you have to uh, flood the acre every week, we've not taken all of that into account. Uh, but typically people sell it at two, two and a half rupees, which is the same when you do a production. Uh, but the thing is, you know, seed availability, the main seed has to be available to you between 12 to 20 rupees, right? That's when it is brilliantly economical. Um, even at 25, you could stretch it a little bit, but not beyond that, right? Uh, so that is the main catch there. Um, now, if we, if we were to grow and sell it, we are selling it at roughly about seven rupees a kg uh, compared to, you know, uh, if you were to grow it yourself. Uh, so, the reason being, you know, we have a greenhouse, you have a, you have a dedicated team for that. There's multiple different technologies and there's a lot of convenience added. We probably would deliver it to your place. Um, and so that's, roughly, that's roughly three times more than the cost of, uh, of order if a farmer were to buy it from the market. Or do it themselves. Yeah. Right. There is, there is no fodder availability right now to buy it from the market. Green fodder, no. Dry fodder, yes. Okay. Now, dry fodder also, landing cost per kg is roughly 9 rupees to, you know, during the season, it goes to 13 rupees. So it's very expensive. Dry fodder is even more expensive. Um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, dry fodder doesn't add much on the productivity. It's just a lot of fiber. It probably ends up contributing more into methane and indigestion. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so so here in the fodder station, because it is a service delivered to you, 
delivered to your home and you know on demand uh, completely grown for you you have no headache etc etc let me take that case and tell you how it is still economical right uh, we have got a lot of data recorded from our customers in an on an average they have reported about 1.8 liters increase in milk at a, <clears throat> a procurement price of uh, let's say uh, 30 rupees per liter that comes to about 54 rupees incremental revenue right then there is potential reduction of feed concentrate which is roughly around 18 rupees so total of 72 rupees can be earned by the farmer every day per cattle the cost of purchase of a tray now this tray we had uh, designed so that there is optimal feed given to the cattle because we've studied that uh, if you give beyond say 7 or 8 kg there's not much uh, appreciable incremental milk right 7 so or 8 kg a day yes 7 kg of this hydroponic fodder as a supplement if you give more than that there is not you know uh, an appreciable in, in, uh, increase in milk so we lim we have limited the we have designed the tray in such a way that you get around 5 to 7 kg in each tray which is optimal that you could feed one tray per per cattle is more than enough um, and the cost of a tray is roughly about 40 bucks so 72 uh, minus 40 net profit is 32 rupees every day per cattle right and for a lactation period of uh, uh, 200 days we could add about 60000 plus more revenue for the farmer despite the adverse conditions with low water footprint with low methane footprint and even reducing the drudgery for them right right uh, wasn't tell us uh, tell us how much space do you need what is the productivity uh, that that you have uh, growing maize in in vertical farming um so it's four to five times more um, and it's also more faster uh, so you know our individual system is roughly about 4 by 3 uh 4 feet by 3 feet on ground that's the area that would take and in that every day we could we would be able to get um every day right about uh, uh 20 kgs right uh, compared to on ground it would take you 70 days uh to slightly get you know the same or more amount of uh, fodder right so the the productivity is definitely much higher because you know how much more... land land would you need in the conventional method so uh, compared to so typically a farmer in their two or three hectares would reserve one third or roughly about 23000 square feet of area for fodder we need just 2000 square feet to grow around half a ton every day we can deliver every day that's the so the design is such a way because it takes 7 days and we have different designs on how that uh, every day half ton you know or uh, roughly about 0.7 uh, 700 kg of fodder can be delivered every day uh, and it can support 96 cattle every fodder station can support 96 cattle every day so wasn't tell us about uh, your operations currently uh, uh, you mentioned you're present in rajasthan and karnataka and some parts of the northeast so how many farmers are have become your subscribers for this for this service so see we've not done any sort of advertising any sort of marketing so far 
right. because we were at the at the beginning we were very skeptical would farmer buy you know what would the price point they would buy um, and you know would there be a word of mouth effect all of that and our first attempt was in Chittadurga uh, forestation so this concept came in during the second pandemic um, right from the day we've started operations first year first pandemic second year second wave third year and now we're in the third wave uh, so we've constantly been fighting against the uh, pandemic uh, but we still tried this. We had a lot of challenges in the, in the, in the, in the right at the onset in, in terms of growing because we the we'd never done growing at so high volumes um, before, right? All of our volumes were very low. Now you were uh, doing uh, almost half a ton every day. So if anything goes wrong, you'll have to start over again, and it takes seven days to get the results. Uh, what we learned was this polyhouse, the way you select, the way you design the polyhouse is a do or die battle, right? It is extremely, uh, because a lot of consultant experts would say A, B, and C, and D, but in the, on the ground, when you know, the rubber hits the road, there's a lot of failures, especially with racks and squirrels, we had a lot of challenges. Um, and so we fixed all of it one by one and uh, we're able to get a consistent uh, uh, harvest output every day. That was the reason where we were losing the customers because we were, we, were, we were in the business of predictability, right? So a farmer would say, yes, sir, I will come and take it. I like this, I got the results. I want this daily. We weren't able to give it daily. There were breaks in between because something broke and something broke. And then the farmer made another arrangement, right? So uh, same thing with uh, many other uh, people also. We, we weren't able to deliver it consistently, uh, but you know we we found out all the issues and have fixed it. Um, and we took the next leap of challenge to do this in Rajasthan with all the learnings we had in Chittadurga. Uh, Chittadurga is also a very dry and arid region, by the way. I mean, annual rainfall less than 400 mm. Uh, so we went to Rajasthan, and uh, this is in Bikaner Baju. Uh, very close to Falodi, which receives the highest temperature in India for the longest duration. Uh, so we chose materials very locally, we increased the height. Um, so here in Chittadurga, we at the moment have uh, roughly about 10 to 20 farmers who are taking our fodder every day. And in Rajasthan, uh, it has been used by a dairy for themselves. Uh, they are more indigenous cattle there. So the yield is... Uh, uh, not that high, but the fat content is very high. Um, it's a rati breed. So the, 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 the fat content dropped because they did not have green fodder at all there. Uh, but after our intervention, they've been consistently getting uh, 5 to 5.5 fat. And since they're in the business of uh, ghee and buttermilk only, this sort of fits very well for them, right? Um, and we are setting up another one in Rajasthan, in, in Falodi, exactly the play, uh, place where uh, I told you it's, it's very tough to work in those regions uh, because you have dust storms, you have wind, you have uh, sometimes, uh, you know, sudden rain for one day and, you know, a lot of water that will clog up on the roofs um, and, you know, unknown, unknown challenges. I think we'll, it's been uh, quite a few months now. We'll see what, what is to come there. Right. Uh, Vasat, what is the commercial opportunity here? Uh, it's all fine, you know, you're, you're making farmers help uh, earn uh, a little more or sort of, you know, 25-30% more. But but as a business, how do you see this uh, going? What is the commercial potential here? 
See, for the fodder station, I'll, I'll give you an example before I talk about the commercial potential. When we were speaking to a few FPOs and SNGs in, um, in Ahmedabad or in Gujarat, they said, sir, we are in the business of agarbatis. We do agarbatis here and we take the bus and go far off places and try and sell it. And you know, if we're not getting the rate, we're losing the margin in the transport and all of that. So the beauty of the business is you are catering to a very hyper-local community that's already thriving. The milk collection center is thriving. There are active members who are putting 20 liters every day. So you have, a, you have ready-made customers right outside your fodder station shop. You don't have to go far out at all. As that's our preliminary condition that the fodder station is within 500 meters of a milk collection center. Um, that said, you know, you have six or seven months where you can constantly sell, bring more farmers to fodder station. You can easily sell uh, uh, high protein fodder to them. As I have told you that there is definite impact that the farmers uh, realize with this. Um, and in dry and arid regions, it works really wonderful, right? Uh, now, there could be lean periods, uh, or sorry, non-lean periods, uh, where, you know, sometimes you might have rainy season and the perception is, okay, we have green fodder, we don't need to purchase it right now. Um, or you might have winter where the same perception may or may not continue. In the fodder station, we have flexibility and we have recommended two alternate crops that you can try wheat grass and oyster mushrooms right wheat grass can be dried uh, i mean grown just like fodder you could cut the leaves dry it and powder it and that goes to um, pharmaceutical companies or it could go into health biscuits uh, so on and so forth and we are creating that market linkages for that oyster mushroom again could be dried you don't have to sell it wet um, you can dry it and store it and then aggregate it and sell it Right? And we're also bringing market linkages uh, for that. And we'll have a very soon buyback program for all of these commodities. Uh, these fodder stations are franchised under our name. So we take, I mean, we wouldn't recommend you to grow any, anything else. Like, you know, suppose you'd say, I want to grow lettuce. We'd say no, because, you know, the economics of that is very, very different. Uh, in vertical farming, we know what the thumb rules are and we know what the technology is and we are expert in these crops and therefore we are recommending these three crops. And in the future, we will have more exciting crops to come in and, um, you know, this fodder station may take a different avatar. So for a capital, now this is entirely run on solar because uh, in the rural side, at the moment, we cannot rely on the quality of electricity, uh, especially the supply and, you know, the voltage surge and all of that. And the quantity is very high. Uh, also, that you are not using the energy from grid, and we could call this carbon negative farming, right? You're not taking the energy from grid at all. You're using power very efficiently. So for a capital of about 16 lakhs, uh, you are able to break even within three to five years. Um, and the current IRR that we are looking at is at about 10 to 16%, right? Uh, every month, um, if you're able to sell full capacity of fodder, uh, your net, your net uh, profit is at about 30%. So I think it is a great proposition for people who want to make an impact back in their village, or even for anybody who wants to, you know, really get into farming, serious farming, that impacts their community's life meaningfully, right? And we are 100% sure 
of the impact that the fodder would drive for the climate, for the environment, and for the farmer. And we're also very sure of the returns that you would get by helping such a community. Right. And also meant uh, uh, market size in terms of, uh, uh, you know, for a company like yours. Is there, is, is there, is there a large enough addressable market? Yes, sir. Very, very big. Uh, uh, sir, I mean, you said in the beginning, it's 500 million cattle. Uh, each cattle requires a minimum of 20 kgs of green fodder. So you could multiply that number. It's very insane. Um, see, there is, uh, according to the Indian Grassland Institute, uh, there is, the requirement is around 800 to 1000 million tons, of which the deficit at the moment is around 200 60 to 300 million tons. Mm -hmm. According to me, I mean, it's my own, uh, my own hypothesis that it is much more higher than that because there is another industry that is coming to eat agriculture, which is the ethanol industry, right? Mm -hmm. And it requires a lot of feedstock to go into producing ethanol. I don't know to what extent we could continue to supply sugarcane. Uh, but I think more smarter feedstock need to be made available for this to sustain in the long run if you want to go away from fossil fuels. Um, so I see that also continuing to create a lot of challenges for uh, dairy. Um, and I think the market is very big. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today on Field Notes. Uh, until we meet next week, goodbye and God bless. Thank you.